0: Down just for a second. There ain't no way. No way. I'm thankful. Come in. She's going to pray for us. You good? Yep. Let's go. Lord, I just come to you and uh, lift this up. And, and thank you for getting us all here safely despite the weather. Uh, and I just pray that we, we ignore the, the weather and, and things that have been going on this week as crazy as it may have been. And just uh, hear the words that Mike's about to preach, and uh, take something from it that we can apply to our lives in in, this moment. Amen, amen, Amen. Amen. Thanks, man. All right, we're eventually going to be in Matthew. So if you brought a book or a screen, you can open that up to Matthew chapter six, and we'll kind of jump from Matthew six to nine. So again, a reminder is that um, you're in the safest place that you can ever be. And one of our, one of Part of our heart is to remind folks that you were made so on purpose and that what we want to do, what we're doing here is that we're helping folks understand why and who you believe in and why. Because if you were anything like me, I didn't do that well in school. I just didn't apply myself. and So there would be times that I would study for a test and I would just cram the information into my system for that test. I would go in and I would take the test, and as soon as I was done, it was like I was done with the info. I had no idea. And what we're finding is that a lot of people who have been churched all their life, no answers. They know answers, but then when you start to ask them, well, why why do you believe that? Man, then you start getting some looks like, is he really asking me that? <laughs> <laughs> I just gave you the answer. I'm not supposed to know why I believe it. And so that's what we're doing is that we're helping one another understand why you believe what you believe. But more importantly is who you believe. In. Okay? Crazy. Or or you may have thought that you let someone borrow something. So if you're from Tullahoma, that meant that you lent someone something. And you hope that at some point you would ever get that back. But tonight we're going to talk about what it really means. It's a word that you won't see in the book. The word Lent's not in this book. But the things that people do within the Lent season are. And it's fasting, prayer, and repentance. And so that's what we're going to focus on tonight is going, why do people do that? So, is anyone just right now, just a quick show of hands, is anybody even participating in Lent right now? That Usually it's a self-denial, it's a, it's a voluntary abstinence from something in your life. Anyone participating in that right now? Okay, cool. This is a fresh sponge. I love this. Good. The words that we just sang in that song, I believe, those are words from the Apostles' Creed. And what apostle means is someone that goes out and heralds out who Jesus is. And so, I believe the early centuries, especially around 300, that's when this started coming out. 300 to 350, that all of these different creeds would start coming out like the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. And their heart and their energy in that was to let a world around them know who we believe in. So think about that song, I believe in Jesus. It did not say things about I believe in doing this. It says, I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in three in one. And then somehow along the way, from that time there, from the time when the tomb was empty to where we are now, we started attaching a bunch of doing to it. And so then it started separating us because then it started saying, well, if you don't do it exactly like we do, I can't hang out with you anymore. And that's what we're desperately getting rid of. We're just saying, look, it's about Jesus. It's about His Father. And it's about Him emptying the tomb. And it's about when you believe in Him, that you have eternal life. And that when you have eternal life, then you are indwelled with Him today. That's it! And so through that, then you get to live out your uniqueness in such a crazy, wide-open fashion that it mirrors the first century brothers and sisters. It was not trendy to say that you love Jesus in this day. So why the start of fasting? Why the start of Lent? I believe its initial purpose was solid. I believe it was to say, you know what? There might be some things in my life that getting the way with my relationship with God the Father, with Jesus Christ, and with who I am. Because a lot of times we refer to ourselves in ways that we wouldn't say to anyone else at all. So I want us to take a look at that. Jesus showed up on it. One of the reasons that they think it was for 40 days real quick is because Christ was led out into the desert for 40 days and was tempted. Moses went up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments and he stayed up there for 40 days and 40 nights. One of the first times we see it in the New Testament on the side of the book where Jesus enters the scene is when Jesus' mama and daddy, Joseph and Mary, are taking Him to the temple to fulfill the offer of purification. And man, they're bringing the baby Jesus up there and there's this guy named Simeon and he's old, he's been there forever. And he sees him and he sees Mary and Joseph and he goes and he gets them and he says, Lord... Father, I can die in peace for I have held Your salvation. And as he's doing that, there's this woman that's on the scene as well. Her name is Anna. She's known as a prophet. And she comes up as the scene is going on and the thing that she is known for is fasting and praying. If someone were to go up and say, what's Bilbo known for? I wonder if any of those are even on the radar screen. But she's known in this book as someone that was fasting and praying, and you can go, well, why was she? Because she was waiting for this day. And what was it that Simeon saw in the baby Jesus? Because he wasn't the only child going to the temple that day. And Simeon went to him. And so we see Jesus, I mean, He gets in on the act real quick. And gang, this is where I just... I just just love this guy, Jesus. He's so... He's crazy! I mean, He's really crazy. For thousands of years, people had done it a particular way. Hundreds upon hundreds, generation upon generation, they had participated in ways of honoring God in a particular way. And Jesus comes on the scene and He immediately starts pulling... The tablecloth out from underneath the dishes. He is just ripping them up all the time. And so the first scene we're in Matthew, it's in chapter 6. And here's what he says it's a chapter in after the Beatitudes. And what that means is just it's Jesus and it means you're supremely blessed. And so, this is just a list of Jesus talking to the disciples, talking to people, talking to the Pharisees, talking to anyone that will listen to Him about you have heard it said this way, I'm telling you it's now this way. Whenever you read the red letters and you hear Him say, I tell you the truth, pay special attention. He's wanting to just hone that in. And so a lot of this funnels down into Matthew chapter 6, and it's in verse 16. And he says, And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. Verse 17, and here again. But when you fast, comb your hair, that is if you have any, yep, Verse 17, but when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. And no one will notice that you are fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. And so he's telling, just in the chapter before that, he's saying, look, he said, I've come to fulfill the law, not abolish it. And so he's reminding folks that when you do something, what is your motive? What's your heart behind doing whatever it is that we do? And I love the fact that he doesn't, he just says, when you're fasting. How many of us ever kind of use this phrase, you know, said, well, I'm gonna go pray about that one? When someone asks you about whatever you're gonna do. He doesn't say, hey, I want you to pray about fasting. He doesn't say, hey, if you're led to fast. He just says, when you do. And I'm looking and I'm going, but I don't. So what does that mean, Lord? So let's keep looking. And what he's saying, he's saying that in the fasting, that it's a self-denial, an abstinence. And gain. hang in here with me just for a second. When it's in this book, what do you think that he's asking people to fast from? That's part of it. Themselves. What else? Personal desires. Personal desires. And what are some of our strongest personal desires? Food. Food and drink. All right. And so that's what he's saying. And so, but look in here. So here's the motive. Now, you've got to couch this in. What is your and our motive for doing anything that we do? So if we all left here today and we said we're going to go fast, would your motive be pure in it? Let's see what Jesus does. Is it the motive, a have to, or is it a get to? Do I have to fast, Bivo? Or do I get to? Let's see what Jesus says. So it's in Matthew, and the scene is... Here's the scene. Jesus is eating with the disciples. It's in one of the festivals that's called Day of Atonement. Now let that sink in just for a second. Jesus, who is the atonement of our sin and our acceptance to God, is celebrating His day. (laughs) That's just not sinking in for you, is it? So you're the disciple and you're sitting there and you're eating with the one that's going to atone for everything you've ever thought, would ever do, would ever think about doing. He's gonna wipe your slate clean. That's really not sinking in. We can't go any further. Is there anything that do you ever have any wish I didn't? Yeah. I wish I wouldn't have. Man, I wish I could redo that one. Do we have any of those? Do we think that there will be any more? Then Jesus, the one at a is sitting at the table with the disciples and I believe is coaching them up in this moment and saying, this is what this means, fellas. I know this is what we've done for thousands and hundreds of years but I'm about to change the game. And oh, by the way, here comes some boys that want to talk to us about it. And listen to what it says. It's in Matthew 9. Slip over there. In verse 14. One day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked Him, Why don't Your disciples fast like we do? than the Pharisees do. It's very interesting that John the Baptist guys would even say that and lump themselves in the same bucket with the Pharisees. That's for another day, but that really does fascinate me in that moment. But Jesus replied, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. There everyone else around them gang is in some kind of form of abstaining because they have to. Jesus and his guys are in the midst of them and they're feasting. <laughs> and, and and John the disciples come up and go, "Hey! They were probably hungry. they were probably thirsty. And they come up and Jesus is just like got cheeseburger juice all over His cloak. And they're feasting. And He's going, how come y'all aren't doing what we're doing? You're, You're kind of making... And you can just almost read their mind and going, you're making me feel bad in the freedom that you're living in. I'm... I'm told I have to. And yet, I see that you're not going to. But yet, you just told me at some point they will when the bridegroom is gone. What's Christ's motive in it? Freedom. 100% freedom. Now look, how many of us have ever been in a setting be similar to this? And so we're in this season. And see if anyone does this to you. You're in this season and corporately people are fasting together. You ever had that happen? That we say together we're going to fast corporately, And so some of those folks, gang, I'm going to tell you, I have felt... Uh-oh. I just smushed my combo cup. Some of those folks, they they make me feel like I'm less than if I'm not doing exactly what they're doing. I'm going, man, that's great that you're fasting like that, but do you have to shove it down my throat? I keep reading that when I do it, I'm not supposed to even let you know that only the Father will know that I'm doing it. So why am I exploding it out here for everyone? What's your motive in shoving that down my neck? That's not uniting us. It's it's less than veal. I don't want to be there with that. I want somehow for you to empower me in it and maybe figure out, have I even been taught what fasting is about? What's my motive? What's your motive? What's your heart behind it? And so we go back to Jesus and he says, then they will fast. What about us? I can remember the very first time I tried it. <laughs> and that's exactly what it was. I had heard about fasting. This is early in in the game, in the in the walk. And so I said. I'm going to do that. I'm going to fast. But my motive was more of like a circus act. In that season of my life, I loved Pop-Tarts. I still do like Pop-Tarts, but I mean, I really would like, I loved them. I'd put them in the oven, put butter on them, and I'd broil them babies up, and they'd come out golden brown. It was just an ooey-gooey heaven that was in the midst of that pastry so good. So I went down that path. I said, I'm going to fast from (laughs) Pop-Tarts. That's real spiritual, isn't it? And you know, someone would ask why. I said, well, we're in Lent, aren't we? Duh! Who's that wacko? Does no squat. I lasted about four days and failed miserably. Because what was my motive? Who's the motive on it? Me. Fast forward to a couple of years ago. I think it was two years ago. that if you know me any at all, you know I love sweets, man. I flat dig them. They're a vitamin in our house. But my mind had gotten a couple of years ago where my mind used to get with Alcohol that I'd start looking over my shoulder to see if anybody saw my hand in a donut bag. Or I was looking around to see if anybody saw my hand going down into the M&M's. And so I knew at that point that there was something that I needed to abstain from for a period of time. And so I did so. I did so during Lent. And I replaced it. It was a voluntary abstinence. It was a self-denial of something that in that moment, gang, in my life, my mind had gotten torqued on. And I knew that God hadn't blown life into me on purpose for me to get that torqued on sweets. What was I allowing, allowing the sweets to feed that I wasn't allowing the God, God my Creator to feed me? And so I had to start substituting. Okay, and so in that moment, I'm going to tell you for that 40-day season, not including Sundays, and I wouldn't come off on Sundays. Some people will say, "Hey, you can take a break," you know, St. Patrick's Day. That's why that was made, so you could take a break from it and whoop it up. I didn't do it because I knew where I was and here with that, right? And I have to tell you that when Easter came. It was one of the most magnificent times for me. Because every time I would picture my hand going into an M&M bag, I would either dig myself into this or I would pray and I would just simply just say, "Father, that you and me is bigger than this. Father, you tell me in your word that you are the bread of life. Father, you tell me that you are the living water. I need you to prove it to me right now." And someone would say, "Bebo for sweets." It's an improvement over alcohol. Your mind will go places where your heart does not want to go. And so at that moment, you have to start stopping it and do business with it right then. And so the flesh in me could not do business with it. And therefore, when I fasted, my motive was dead on. So let's fast forward. What about us? What about you? We live in an era, man, that we got these things all around all the time, right? So what is it in our life that maybe we need to take a break from? What is it in our life that maybe we just need to take a voluntary action? Father, what is it in my life that that is just kind of coming in between us and I'm relying upon it instead of you? It doesn't change who we are, gang. You're talking about powering when you're saying, Lord, I'm relying upon m M&M and more than I'm relying upon You. This past week, man, the weather, it just gets crazy. And when life starts getting real fast for me, I'll find myself opening the pantry. At times, I'm an emotional eater. And so I even have to stop myself and go, Bibo, what's your head doing in here? Well, it's kind of crazy out here. Father, the Him in you is bigger than me. The Him in me is bigger. Lord, come on. You tell me you're the living water. You tell me you're the bread of life. Father, get me out of this pantry. It works. And you just, the Him in you starts turning yourself around. Don't hold yourself up to a flawless expectation of it, gang. Here's what I want us to take a look at. What if one of the things that we were to fast on, what if one of the things that we do feed on are our relationships through these? So I want to bring this back in just for a second. What if that is one of the ways? that we feed on this and the relationships on this and that we rely on how people like us or how many likes that we get or how many thumbs up that we get in order us for us to feel better about ourselves. I'm looking at it constantly. How many like that last post of me and the guy in the cheeseburger, sir? I'm using that for validation and I'm going, Father, You're the bread of life. Lord, You're the living water. You made me on purpose. Would you do it? Would you fast from it? Would you take a break from all of those, whatever all of them are? I can't even keep up anymore. Or what if it's someone or something that you need to take fasting from? That you just need to tell, I've got to pull myself, I've realized I've lost myself in this relationship, and I just need to pull myself up and out of this relationship because I've just... just, I've discerned that I'm relying upon their validation more so than I am the one that created me. Would you be willing to do that? Would your motive be pure in that? I think so. I think that's a, just a beautiful way to do it. So I want you to, to really consider those when we walk out the door tonight. And here's what I want to close this with. Because, see, our first century bros didn't have what we have to fast from. I think, they, I think that was a beautiful thing, quite honestly. Because we do have so many choices to to fast from. But here's what I want here's what I want you to think about. Here's go to these two scriptures. It's John 6. Just close your eyes and drink this in. Don't go to it. Just just close your eyes and drink this in. This is in John. It's in chapter 6 to verse 35 and 48. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to Me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in Me will never be thirsty. Yes, I am the bread of life. Drink this in as well. This is John 7, verse 38. He says, Anyone who believes in Me may come and drink, for the Scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when He said living water, He was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in Him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not entered His glory yet. You can open your eyes. We happen to live in the days of His glory. He has risen. He has risen. He has risen. We are in the season of Lent, but we don't have to wait to start to celebrate. And we even said, I ain't waiting to start my celebrating. The tomb's empty. (laughs) (laughs) The tomb's empty. And so in your fasting, when you do, check your motive. When you fast, check your motive. And then at that moment that when you're wanting to feed on something in the world other than Him for validation or escape, that's a pure motive. Because in that moment, you're allowing the power in Him to take over the weakness in that moment. Last thought. And this has hit me like a ton of bricks this week. I asked myself the question this week. I'm going to pose it to you as well. And I'm still asking myself this question. That in our fasting, that when I've had the rigorous honesty with myself, and I've said, this particular thing, someone, something, some, someone, whatever it is, is hampering. I'm relying upon it or them instead of Christ in me. And I'm going to temporarily fast from that. Why in the world would I ever pick it back up? And that's the question I'm asking myself right now if I know it's the best for me in those 40 days, then why will I ever pick it back up on day 41 or 42 or 43? We have the freedom to, but why will? Father, thank You for this time. I thank You for a people that are just yearning and willing, Father, to believe out who You say we are. And Lord, we're doing so in moments around coffee tables and coffee shops and gymnasiums. We're doing them while we watch our kids participate in gymnastics or whatever sport that it is. Or, Father, we're doing it in homes around kitchen tables teaching our kids with homeschool. Father, we're doing it at work whenever we jump in our cars and go to a place of occupation that you've given us. That we are in those moments living out who we say, that you say that we are. So Lord, in this moment right here, what is it that you would have us to rid ourselves of temporarily in order to get closer to you? And so Father, whatever that is, I pray that we would do so, that we would comb our hair. Father, that we would wash our face and that we would do so, Father, in the closet with You. And Father, in the energy that comes from that and the outflow of the love that flows from us, that a world would take notice of the You in us. God, it's a great day. It's a great time to be alive. Thank You for plucking us out of eternity for this moment.